Hello, and welcome to the Dive In Movie Cast, a film podcast where two unqualified critics give their opinions and try and differentiate themselves from every other podcast out there. My name is Hayden. And I'm Wesley. And here we are after a, a long year of podcasting. We, we threw 20 episodes in season one. And we threw 40 episodes in season two. We just decided to double it up. We're out here. Yeah. Uh, this is the season two finale of the Dive In Movie Cast. Uh, we're going to be talking about Pixar's Luca. Mm-hmm. A, a, just a great, fun movie. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to be getting into top five Pixar movies, which is going to be a very sentimental, nostalgic conversation for me. Yes. Pixar is just a huge part of my childhood. And I feel like we have we've had so many conversations about childhood movies. But anytime we've talked about Pixar, it's been like in passing. We've been we've been like, oh, Pixar is cool. Yeah. And we were gonna talk about Soul, but that just didn't end up working out. So here we are. We're gonna cram in all the Pixar into our season two finale here. All the Pixar here for you to enjoy on the season finale of the Diving Movie Cast. We'll be back soon. Uh, I don't. We don't intend on taking some some big long break for the entire summer. Just a just a little bit of a breather. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm finishing up work in the next week, so I'll have a lot more free time. Maybe we'll. We'll launch a website, start start a YouTube, make a cookbook. Who knows? A cookbook? A diving cookbook. <laughs> um, I Honestly, let's do it. I, could, I have so many recipes I could chuck in there. Yeah, we just start naming them all based on every episode of the podcast we've done. Oh my goodness. That'd be, we make an, uh, food for every podcast episode, 60 dishes. <laughs> Jeez. Um, but yeah, no, we're, we want to start doing some uh, more interesting things come season three. Uh, looking into possibly making a website for y'all to check out, possibly f- starting to film uh, these episodes because we have so much fun doing it uh, and we'd love to share with you guys. So uh, stay tuned for some talks about that in season three. All the potential options are, are being weighed and you will see what we get. <laughs> see what happens. Yeah. Uh, before we get into Luca and this whole Pixar conversation, I wanted to bring up something that I brought up to you. I think it was last week or the week before the, the iCarly reboot. Yeah. Which I know, while we were watching, you weren't fully biting down on. I was having mm-hmm. a blast. Mm-hmm. I, I Look, here's the thing. I really loved iCarly as a kid. It was fantastic. Um, I watched so many episodes late at night, um, just binging them. But this does not... Um, this isn't... It's just not what I hoped for. That's the thing. Like, I was... I knew that they were trying to make it more adult, and they were trying to add more adult jokes in there and make it more for the adults who watched iCarly and are adults now. Um, but the comedy just kind of feels still kiddish to me. There is a, there is a, yes, they added drinking. Yes, they added swearing. But I feel like there's still some kind of bar that they're just like, ah, maybe not these things. Yeah. And, like they've still got like a very fine line as like what they'll actually allow for an adult oriented iCarly. Exactly. Because at the moment with every episode I've seen, it's just, Carly meets new boy. Problem happens. Ha <laughs> ha. Funny, funny. It's all good now. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I just kind of. I guess I was hoping for more of like a How I Met Your Mother style uh, sitcom where it's not just one crazy thing happens in the episode and oh that was funny that that happened in the next episode it never gets mentioned again. Yeah. And more of like a character growth thing. Like where are we now? I wanna I wanna know about Freddie's two failed marriages <laughs> and adopted child and failed business ventures. He is in the shit right now. And, and he's, he's living with his mom again. And he's living with his mom again. Like can we focus on him? He must be so depressed. Yeah. Like, I don't know. So maybe if it takes that more adult route, I'll be more into it. But right now, I'm kinda on the fence about it still. And I think personally 
that Spencer's the best character and Carly sucks. Yeah. Okay, so I actually had a really fun time with it, as I had mentioned, but I, I can completely agree with all of the issues that you have with it. And I also don't want to sit here and be like, oh, let's critique the Carly <laughs> reboot. But also at the same point in time, um, we are movie critics and we are bound to do it. And and our Carly is like a passionate thing that we remember from childhood of like watching this show, loving this show. Oh, it was like a either every night or every week when new episodes came out, me and my dad and my mom and my whole family, we would sit down and we would cut up apples and we would dip them into caramel. So it was like a tradition. Oh, was, oh that is an amazing snack. I, it, ultimate vibes. <laughs> and so like I have this uh, huge nostalgia spot for me with iCarly. And so I was really interested to see how they would approach a grown-up version of iCarly. Yeah. Some of it works. A lot of it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I, I do agree that the whole Carly just she got a new boyfriend and now she's flirting with this new guy and that it, it's definitely weird and and i do feel the absence of sam and gibby yeah um as much as i completely understand why they're both not there mm-hmm. i'd be lying if i said i didn't feel it yeah and yeah I, I definitely agree i would have loved to see a more like how i met your mother like them experiencing adulthood because it kind of mm-hmm. just seems like they're still just doing it from Spencer's apartment or carly's new apartment exactly and i, I want to see the city open up a bit more for them and see what they they do. The new episode that we haven't watched yet has them going to a red carpet event. That sounds kind of cool. Uh, All right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that being said, I checked um, Wikipedia because I was like, "What is the? Re- how long's this season? What are the episodes called?" Mm. And when I checked it, there was an episode. <laughs> yeah. Episode five was titled. When I checked it, uh, I start an OnlyFans. Jeez, and I'm I'm so glad that wasn't the actual thing. Yeah, no, it was updated like 15 minutes later. That was removed from it, and episode five will definitely not be called I Started an OnlyFans. I yeah. don't believe, because that seems like a significant jump from like, we're still kind of a kid's show, and it's like, now Carly is starting an OnlyFans. <laughs> now, Carly, now you can pay $25 to see Carly's tits. Yeah, so I was just like, I don't know. I think it's it's good. There's a lot to be desired, but as a fan of iCarly, it it still feels like the same show, yeah. which is both a compliment and a criticism because mm-hmm. it is a new show and they're treating it like a new show. So like embrace the fact that you're a new show. Yeah. Evolve just a little bit. Yeah. Just a little I, bit. Because... I still want the core feeling of iCarly there, yeah. but I want it to, to definitely mature a little bit beyond like Freddie's drinking a martini and Carly says bitch and like mm-hmm. Carly says bitch once. And I and don't everyone, know. Everyone freaked out. I know. It was Carly on TikTok. Says bitch and... once and everyone's like, oh my God. Like shit's going down. <laughs> I definitely think they're kind of finding their rhythm and finding their groove with what they want the show to feel like and be. So I'm going to stick around. I couldn't not watch it. I just, I loved iCarly growing up. But that yeah. being said, yeah, I don't know. Mixed feelings on it. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll have to see where it goes. I mean, it's just getting his footing now. So um, we'll see if they listen to, I guess, I guess they've probably already recorded the entire first season. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. We'll see what it has to offer. Mm-hmm. We'll see where it goes. Uh, we've also been watching Loki, mm-hmm. which is by far the best Marvel show that they've done. Yep, out mm-hmm. of this out of this whole batch, and I think we've said that every time there's been a new Marvel show. But there is something different about Loki where it's just like it's really compelling. Yeah, it's really cool to watch. Um, I guess I guess it's really cool to see the difference between Loki's character growth in the movies and then condensing that. What would happen if a Loki who didn't go through any of that character growth got it, a condensed version of it all at once? And how does that affect him? And what is his, what is going to happen next? We just finished episode three. Whew. 
Um, no spoilers, but wow, I am really, this show's really got me. I'm really engaged and I'm really liking it. And I think a lot of people felt hesitant about it being a 2012 version of Loki. Yeah, um, the, the Loki straight after the, the New York fight in the first Avengers movie, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think I like it. it. It has some it has some charm to it that the uh, new the more evolved Loki wouldn't have. Yeah, because he was a little more serious. He, he understood who he was a bit more. Here we get to see a more smug Tom Hiddleston. And I, yeah. Tom Hiddleston is so great as Loki. Uh, iconic. Who who could do it better? No one. He was born for that role. I mean, yeah. he just he embodies that like really. Ooh, I just dropped my water bottle. He he embodies that heavy likability while also being like just kind of a piece of shit at times. And mm. and I I definitely am totally in to see where the rest. There's three episodes left this season. Just I'm strapped in. I know this is gonna lead to some crazy shit mm-hmm. with with Spider Man No Way Home and with Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. No spoilers, like we said, but it's it's the only opportunity they will they kind of have now to introduce mm-hmm. the multiverse, and so I'm I'm very excited to see where it goes, and I'm having a blast watching everybody have a hissy fit online about the fact that Loki is confirmed bisexual. Look, come on, all these people are having hissy fits. Come on, read some Norse mythology, like right? literally <laughs> Norse gods, any god, any god in history or mythology or whatever is just banging anything with a heartbeat. Yeah, they're definitely swinging both ways. Gods like have sex with animals. Loki has sex with a horse in some uh, Nordic story or whatever. So, like, he's bisexual. He's a god. He can do whatever he wants. Of course he's banging everyone. Everyone's like, I can't believe it. This is forced propaganda. This is such an agenda. I'm like, what? What? Do you even know what you're fucking talking about? Do you know who Loki is? Literally, this it man was out here banging me. animals. Exactly. Like, why are you so weirded out that he is having sex with guys and girls when he is literally committed bestiality? Uh, I I really like though how it how the line is delivered, where she asks him uh, if he he's got like a princess or a prince waiting, and he just kind of like chuckles to himself. He says, "Well, it's a bit of both." Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, it is." Mm-hmm. I think it's just completely expected with Loki as a character. I mean, yeah. I can't believe that this is like, I mean, I understand why um, the writers feel like it's a big deal because it is. It's a big moment mm. for the MCU and everything in regards to representation. But just seeing people's backlash on, online, I'm like, you guys are all fucking idiots. Like, yeah. none of you know what you're talking about. It's 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 ridiculous that people would be upset by it because who cares? Like, Loki can do whatever he wants. He's a god. It's like, I'm just not, yeah. So I'm not surprised. I don't know why you're. I don't know why people are salty about it. But. Yeah. On that note, um, do we want to get into into Luca? Yes, Luca. I I thought this movie was fantastic. I really like this movie. Um, I think we both said. Well, you said this, or you watched a review about it or something. Um, that it's it doesn't have the same big heart like some soul searching question to answer. It's just a fun time. Yeah. Um, and I, there are so many things I'm excited to talk about for this movie, but, um, to get us started, I just want to talk about the amazing voice actors, uh, that are behind all of these characters that I don't have up because I thought I had it open, but it's on the IDM, IMDB page. Give me one second. Okay. I got it now. I just want to mention this amazing cast of voice actors. We've got Jacob Tremblay as Luca, uh, Jack Dylan Grazer as Alberto, uh, Emma Berman as Julia, 
amazing Maya Rudolph as Daniela, uh, Luca's mom. Maya Rudolph is having a great year as animated mothers. Mm-hmm. From Mitchell's versus the machines to to this, she's just she's just got it in the bag. You need yeah. an animated mother, you call Maya Rudolph. Um, also, an amazing cast member that I didn't realize was in this movie, Jim Gaffigan plays Lorenzo, who's Luca's dad. I didn't even realize it. I should have recognized his voice, but Sasha Baron Cohen plays um, Uncle the, Hugo. He's the anglerfish. Yeah, right? he's the anglerfish. I didn't even realize that either. Well, it's it's amazing. So we have a really stacked, honestly, in my opinion, stacked cast. Um, for this movie, uh, some amazing uh, jobs from all of these actors. Um, and I have to say, Jacob Tremblay really brings Luca to life. I love his portrayal of Luca. So. Jacob Tremblay is like one of the most impressive child actors, like maybe ever. Yeah, he's really knocking it out of the park. Like, I just want to read some of his, his work because this man has been in Room, Doctor Sleep, uh, Good Boys. Uh, Wonder, the Predator movie, Before I Wake, uh, he's just he's on a roll. And like, how yeah. old is he? He's know, he like was born 13? in two thousand. He was born in two thousand and six. Ouch, that hurts me. Yeah, here I am, twenty one years old, born in two thousand, and this this man this, has done this kid so much. is out here just racking up the Oscars. Yeah, I I also love um Jack Dylan Grazer. I I have not really seen him in too much aside from it, but mm-hmm. he is my favorite character in it as Eddie. Yeah, and and so. Yeah, just fantastic performances from both of them. Mm-hmm. I I do agree though. Like I really love how this movie is just having a lot of fun. Pixar movies are always really deep or existential, and they're always touching on some crazy shit and like you know making quote unquote kids movies while making them they're they're adult movies, but yeah. also for kids, right? Mm-hmm. And Luca is like the first Pixar movie in a while where I'm like I could properly say this like yeah, it's a kids movie, mm-hmm. and that's not a bad thing at all. Yeah, exactly. I think it can be enjoyed by adults, too, but there's no, like I said, there's no big soul-searching question like Soul, for example, where it's like, uh, what actually makes you, you, or whatever. Um, it, it doesn't have that same kind of quality of, like, deep interpersonal thinking, um, and that's okay. It, it really is okay because this movie just shows you so many beautiful scenery shots and um, beautiful moments of amazing animation um to kind of get into it a little bit um the movie is open opens with luca like living underwater with his family uh herding fish like sheep uh which i found really funny um but it's just like a normal life for him and he gets tempted to go above the surface now i find this so interesting because he's never been above the surface before like, going above the surface for him is this brand new thing, and this random kid, Alberto, just yanks him up onto land, and he doesn't know what to do. He's just, it's like a sensory overload to him, and quite, I love it. Quite literally a fish out of water. Exactly. Like, yeah. I love it so much, because the seeing the world through Luca's eyes in this movie is beautiful. Um, having him experience everyday things that we take for granted, uh, like the sky, the sun... Uh, flowers, gravity, beaches, water ru- like running onto beaches, and exactly mm-hmm. like seeing all these things being presented in this way, where a character is totally learning about them uh, for the first time, is really beautiful in this movie. And it's been done before with like alien movies and things like that. And ET gets his glowing finger and pokes whatever, um, <laughs> pokes whatever. But this is uh, pokes Elliot, yeah, uncultured. <laughs> <sign>. <laughs> 
Um, uh, no, yeah, I just called the kid whatever. Um, but it's just beautiful to see it in this way because the the Earth is still his home. You know, it's not some random new planet that he's gone to. It's where he lives, and so uh, going onto the surface is this whole new world for him, and it's it's really fun to see. Yeah, agreed. And I think in in regards to what you what you said, like it's really interesting to just see like a kid who has never experienced like and a kid who's never experienced the world mm-hmm. just experiencing it for the first time because it, it really just throws you back to like the days where you and you were a kid growing up and like the wonder you felt when you experienced something for the first time like mm-hmm. when i first rode a roller coaster like that just that pure wonder mm-hmm. that's everything for luca like yeah. the whole world it's is so that much wonder. of this movie mm-hmm. and so i i love that about him um, his curiosity, his his wanderlust, along with Alberto's wanderlust to go see the world on their Vespa. Um, may I say, Vespas are the ultimate vehicle. If you disagree, you're wrong. I, dude, <laughs> they literally, the, I love the shots of them where like Luca's like imagining riding a Vespa and he's just like flying through, flying the, air. <laughs> through the air. Yeah, over oceans, just on this Vespa. Me when I pull up on GTA Five with my oppressor. <laughs> But no, it's I like I love the idea that the Vespa is this amazing vehicle for them because uh, it's just a little motorbike, but it's so fun. I I'm sure as a kid I wanted a Vespa at one point. Like, come on, who didn't? If I had had a Vespa, it would have you know it would have been going down. Imagine I pull up to HRH in a Vespa. <laughs> I really did that. Imagine if I did that. I would, I would, here's what I'd do. I'd pull up in the Vespa. I'd be wearing one of those like bike helmets, the old school ones. It's just like a bucket pretty much. It's just sleek over the top. Um, I got little aviators on and a red scarf flowing in the wind as I drive by. We, we went to a high school for anybody who's, uh, not knowing what's going on here. We went to a high school in a, in a country area. And so everybody Very else ur- is pulling uh, up. Rural. Yeah, everybody else is pulling up on their on their tractors and in their Civics. Meanwhile, me and you, we pulling up with the Vespa in gang. The Vespa, Vespa gang. So yeah, I but, I wish I had that, but I love how much how amazing it is to them. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of reflects on like everything. It's just like the passion that they kind of experience for everything. It really does make you take for granted the little things. Mm-hmm. Like gravity, I don't. I don't think about gravity the way these guys do. They're just like, and watch this gravity, and jump out of like a two-story building, and are fine. Yeah. So I I like it a lot. It's very fun. Mm-hmm. And I think that bond that forms pretty immediately between Alberto and Luca mm-hmm. is just a a great coming of age duo. Yeah, where about Alberto's like, I know pretty much everything. I'm just an expert on yeah. everything about the surface, and he's like those. Those are anchovies in the sky. That's where they go to sleep. And they call the they call the record la- uh, they call the record player the singing lady machine. Yeah. So it's it's kind of funny. I do agree. There is an amazing camaraderie there immediately because Luca is so lost, and Alberto's like, I know everything, but really doesn't. Um, and it it, it it's really funny too to watch Alberto try to explain things. Um, because when he's trying to like explain walking to him he's like just fall forward and then catch yourself before you fall yeah um and when luca tries to walk too and he does the little butt wiggle and then just falls right on his face oh mm-hmm. it's so funny yeah so i think like off the bat this is kind of the perfect movie to follow up soul with in the weirdest sense because mm-hmm. soul is asking so many heavy themes and i think i feel like a lot of parents maybe struggled with 
showing their kids soul because soul is was so existential that I feel like maybe like aside from the the imagery of like our main character being a cat or like some of the um the stuff in the the place the soul place I don't yeah know. I, I don't know what term. I don't know what's called the great either. beyond uh, I feel like that might have lost kids that a is bit. not it I think it is are you sure is that not what they call uh going out of the grocery store and sausage party don't they call it the great beyond too maybe it's both. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Very different Great Beyond, depending on what we're Very talking different. about. But I think uh, Hot Off of Soul, which is a movie that I think some parents maybe struggle to show their kids, this is a perfect Pixar movie to show your kids. Yeah. And I really wish that Disney Plus would stop doing Pixar so dirty and yes. that I still had the option to go see these in theaters. Like, not only are they putting them to Disney Plus, they're not giving you the chance to go see them in theaters at all. They're just like, all right, Pixar, your time in theaters is done. You're a streaming service thing now. Yeah. On top of that, though, they're not giving them that premier access bullshit they've been doing with all their other movies. Exactly. They're just releasing them. I got to spend $40 to watch shitty-ass Mulan, but uh, Luca and Soul are free. Yeah. It's like, Disney, you could make so much more money if you just made me pay for those because i will yeah that 35 dollars that you're trying to get me to spend on cruella which i'll i'll do respect to cruella i had a lot of fun with that i would not pay 35 dollars to watch that movie i would not pay 35 for that and i i would pay 35 for luca and soul double feature maybe not 35 for luca Mm -hmm. alone or soul alone but like i don't know i think it's weird that they just kind of completely shafting those movies because like they're some of the better stuff that disney plus has released this year exactly and i mean i think that just uh it, it kind of makes sense because it's mostly families want to watch this. So it's mm-hmm. way cheaper for a parent to be like, hmm, spend $35 and rent this movie at home. Spend $100 at the movie theater for me and my family to go see it. Yeah. You know? Fair. Um, but as us simple moviegoers, who it's just like one of us that want to watch it or whatever. It's just like, ah, it's a little pricey. Yeah. I mean, especially with the animation and the way that this movie just pops, like I'm so grateful that my parents have a home theater mm-hmm. and that I still kind of got like a big screen experience for these movies because I just, I couldn't, I know you watched it on the TV mm-hmm. and it was still beautiful. It's still beautiful, but like this movie is just pretty stunning. Yeah. And it's just sad to me that like people are not getting the chance to choose how they want to watch this movie. It's just like, yeah, no, watch it on your TV or your phone or your laptop. And I'm like, damn, man, this movie's really really breathtaking visually and it's just sad to me that people don't get to see that on a big screen yeah it really is beautiful like from the small little italian town side streets and houses to the beautiful glistening water that they're just diving in and out of or boats are flying through like ah so amazing and also may i say i really liked one aspect of this movie that i mentioned right out the gate when me and morgan watched it i love that their voices don't change when they go underwater yeah. And I love how sound carries when they're underwater because it feels like it's underwater. Like when the mother, there's a scene where the mother comes is in the house and her voice is, is not as echoey because obviously they're in a house. And then she walks out and obviously it's the ocean and sound carries way better in water. And she calls to Luca and it just echoes and it just continues. And I'm like, yes, I don't want no weird bubbly yeah i don't want that i love the fact that you are still taking into account the physics of sound underwater without messing up their voices i love it it's like they live underwater i like i'd like to think that when they speak underwater it's not like hello mom yeah it's like on the land it's like oh wow what a beautiful day and they go to war like yeah like that's ridiculous um so i really like that and also may i say i 
find it so funny that they are like, why do dolphins talk like that? <laughs> like yeah. they, it's like the lady did a dolphin impression is the best. Anyone can do a dolphin impression, and the dad's just like, I still don't get why they just talk like that. Why don't they talk normally? <laughs> I'm like, that's hilarious. That's really funny. Yeah, um, I I do want to say though, like I think the Italian culture and the music mm. and just the 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 way that everything's animated and the, the scenery, I think, is really impressive. And I I mm. can't speak on it too much. I haven't traveled to Italy. But I have seen movies that take place in Italy, and I think mm-hmm. that this animates that the the visuals of what that place looks like very well. Yeah, I think it does perfect to create this little seaside Italian town that's full of just like uh, a huge array of people from all walks of life, um, whether they're fishermen or bakers or whatever. It creates this beautiful little town, and. The cool part is that is Luca's world, honestly. That's all he's ever known. He doesn't know anywhere else. He, that is the only place he's seen. And so um, his, his what he imagines the rest of the world is like is it's this weird dream fantasy where uh, he's, fl- like we said, he's flying over the water and on a Vespa or things like that. So I love how this little town is essentially just his world. And it's such a cool little world that's built on this shore like there's literally no other towns around anywhere you can't see any other civilization in this movie yeah it's really like the only place that that you spend time in in this movie Mm -hmm. so i i really like that i find that cool the Uh, visuals are just uh, yeah beautiful chef's kiss this movie has that studio ghibli effect with the with the food Mm, where i was looking at i was looking at all that pasta and i was like damn this, Dude, this Pixar movie is going to make me act out. Now I'm going to have to go cook something for myself. Somebody give me um, Julia's dad's recipe for pasta because, ooh, that, that was busting. It's like an Alfredo mm. or something? I don't know. It's but some, I want it. Some creamy linguine, some delicious, <laughs> I don't know, but it looks so good. Yeah, give me it immediately. I want it. Um, also, mad props to the dad for not having an arm and just vibing. This guy is literally out in a boat hunting fish with one arm he's how does he fish how does he reel things in oh wait no they use nets <laughs> yeah they use nets <laughs> but i uh, know he he is an amazing character in this movie like he has very little lines but he's such a caring man he looks so he looks so stern but he's such a caring father when alberto runs away he doesn't say anything he stops cooking dinner he gets his hat and asks where he went so he can go out looking searching for him Ah, he's so wholesome. I love oh, how he's so wholesome. I love how the trailers for the, this movie too, and even like the initial impression of this dude really frame him as like, look at this scary big butch dad. Mm-hmm. And then once you actually get to know his character a bit, he's really just a sweet dad. He's so sweet, but he does hate sea monsters, just like this entire town. Yeah. Um. And so Luca and Alberto do have some issues when he when they go into i love that scene where they go into his house and then uh lucas just sprays water onto his face yeah and, and like, like coats just half of him and he, half of him turns into the scaly sea monster it's fun and then he tackles him to the ground to try and hide it mm-hmm. oops we slipped Th- that Ding! that raises a point that i want to bring up though and something oh. that me and my brother acknowledged while we were watching this yes. is okay so earlier in the movie when they're wait really quickly everyone we're about to break into the physics of this water shape shifting. We're about to di- we're about to dive in. Yeah, because why why would we just appreciate a wholesome moment in a exactly. kids movie? Exactly, we, we can... have to question everything. Yeah, 
Okay, so earlier in the movie, uh, you have Luca and Alberto uh, jumping up out of the water, and they're swimming real quick through the water. And they're when they're coming out, they kind of are immediately human again, and then immediately sea monster again when they're back under the water. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of shifts later on in the movie, where anytime the movie requires them to have some sort of tension, whenever they get wet. They have to like dry themselves off. They don't yeah. just immediately like dry off and switch back to human like after turning into sea monster, which is just like okay. I guess you could chalk it up to like they're swimming real fast. They're jumping in the air, and then the, the water wind. wicks off of them. Sure, at the speed they're going, it's like it's like going through a hair dryer. Like if if essentially they're just moving so fast that the water is wicking off them in midair. How fast do you think they're going? Like like 60 kilometers an hour? Look, if I had to judge by, if I take every pixel, go pixel by pixel, I can map out that it's about three meters every 220, there are two seconds. I don't know. I don't know. We're not game theory. What the, What do you think? Yeah, no. I um, I failed math class in grade nine, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not the person to do this. I failed. I almost failed physics in grade 11 and then took it again in grade 12. I took physics 12 because I was like, no, I want the challenge. And I think I almost failed that one, too. Yeah, no, physics. I, I'm glad I didn't do that because I would, it wouldn't have been like a fail with like, oh, you got like a 47% and my grade would have been like a 10. And I'm just... <laughs> I'm just really glad I didn't do that to my self-esteem. Yeah, no, I don't know. It's it's a kid's movie. But yeah. just interesting little thing to note. They just it's like they stay a little bit more sea creaturey for longer when there's moments of tension. Yeah, when the plot calls for it, they they Which, have to dry themselves off and there has to be some sort of panic, but kind of early makes in sense, but... early in the movie when they're vibing, they just dry off immediately. There's mm-hmm. no concerns. Maybe it's cuz they're vibing. It, when they when they're stressed out, it takes a little bit more. Takes long. I you got to focus a bit more on it. Yeah. Okay. So one thing I wanted to ask you is about the. I wanted to talk about the villain of this. Mm, what he, is his name? His name is uh, in, in Ercool Ur- Vince Visconti. I'm so sorry. Visconti. Yeah. Is it Vince Scotty? Is his last name is it Vince Scotty or Visconti? Visconti. Visconti. Yeah. I'm just gonna call him Visconti. Um, cool. Let's get it. My boy. Oh, it's Ercole. That's his first name. Ercole. Oh, man. I hit with the Ercool. Ercool, my boy. Um, Ercole is really funny. I really like him as a villain because he's not, he's no real threat. He's just all bark and no bite. I know. Yeah. I wanted to, what I was going to ask is like, does he work or does he not work? And I think he mostly works because of what you're saying about how he's really not actually that much of a threat. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a bully. Yeah. Essentially. He's really just like the asshole who gets in your face when you're in elementary school. Exactly. But like, I, I do actually think he works because he fits the tone of the movie. Yes. He's really over the top. I love the moments. He's, he's very over the top. Yes. But I love the moments when like his, his sweater falls into the pond and he's just so sad. He's like, Oh, my sweater. Like, Oh God. Um, so I find it so funny or the moment when his, um, his, uh, his, I just literally said the name of it, the scooter, the Vespa. Vespa. Yeah. When his Vespa gets knocked over, and he's like, "Are you okay?" And the guy's like, "Well, I'm a little hurt." And he's like, "No, not you, stupido." Yeah, it's so good. I, I honestly, I want to do a little shout out to his friend Chicho. Yeah, Chicho. This dude is like jumping underneath the Vespa to stop it from hitting the ground just for his friend. And I, I just, I remember a line that made us all laugh was when they were out on the boats, and like Chicho said something, and then. uh 
that the villain was just like slap Chicho, and he just slaps him like three <laughs> times. Like I'm just like this man is out here giving his everything for you, and you just you're not with it. You're not appreciating it. I know. I think he's yeah. He's like an 11 year old mustache twirling villain. Exactly. That's that's literally what he is. He says he's 16, but who knows how old he actually is? He's probably mm-hmm. a couple years older, and he just wants the fame from the race because he knows he's better than everyone. And his little dirt mustache is definitely one he. Every morning, he just takes a little bit of uh, olive oil and just <laughs> slicks it back. Does that with his hair, too. Yeah, 100%. I, I totally feel like that he's the kind of guy who would do that. Yeah, I, I think overall he works mainly in, like, just because of the movie. If you put this dude in any other Pixar movie, this this guy does not work. No, he is, like, um, he is knockoff. Uh, what's the guy's name from Meet the Robinsons? Goob. Oh, he's yeah. knockoff old Goob. <laughs> yeah. He's Goob in like the middle aged years. Or the teen years, I guess. But no, he he I think he works. I think he's fun and like I said, he's not that big of a threat. And that's that's the thing. You can't have a huge threat in this movie. It's like, oh Lucas gotta save the world. It's just like, nah, Lucas just gonna beat this bully at his own game. Yeah. The threat is them not getting caught as sea monsters. Yeah. I think if you try and raise those stakes, the movie becomes something different. And I really like the movie that it is trying to be. Mm-hmm. So I think he works. Mm-hmm. Um and I will also say too, I think that this whole the whole like uh, having to hide from being wet kind of thing. I really like how it's used in the film. Not only by, uh, like, in the moments when Luke and Alberto wake up and it rained during the night and they now look like sea monsters, oh, yeah. but also in the moments where the mom is literally deking kids out and breaking their ankles and then chucking them into a fountain to see if it's her kid. Like, oh, that's hilarious. Why did none of the residents of this village complain about the woman who just showed up on her island <laughs> just and beat just started their kids. beating their kids? Yeah. <laughs> Literally, like, every child in this village is, like, horrified of these two parents. Exactly, because they got moves. Yeah. Oh, they're, like, literally, like, going above children and dropping water balloons on them. Yeah, that's that's so funny. So I, I really like that, too. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to really quickly get into the themes of hiding who you are from the world out of out of fear that they may not accept you and how I've, I've been hearing conversation around the fact that this movie is kind of like a metaphor for um being in the closet yeah right um as disclaimer it's two white straight guys um we don't understand that whole the whole feeling of having to hide yourself from the world and not feeling accepted for who you are um but i totally see those themes in this movie that's literally all Luca and Alberto are doing. They are so scared that this town won't accept them for who they are because of their past prejudices towards sea monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's as simple as by the end of the movie, when it does, when they do find out they are sea monsters, the dad's just like, hey, they're with me. They're mm-hmm. family now. Yeah. And everyone's like, all right. Mm-hmm. They have no problem with it. And Which is like, it's probably not that easy in real life. No, but... <laughs> It's it's a good it's a good way to show what the world should be like. Yeah. Like who it doesn't matter. These sea monsters are such nice people. Who cares if you're um you've heard stories and tales of your great grandfather got eaten by a sea monster. It's like these are good people. Yeah, they're just they're, it's a town stuck in their old ways. Exactly. It's a town stuck in their old ways and once they realize that these kids have been living with them for Months and also those old ladies who are actually just secretly sea monsters. And they just too. been hanging out, yeah. They just been hanging out. They're they're good people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I totally see um, that theme of having to hide yourself 
and not being not feeling comfortable with showing the world who you truly are. Yeah. Um, whether and, oh sorry go ahead no yeah go for it no, I was just gonna say whether or not that was uh, intentional on the director's part or just so happened to be I I think it maybe was intentional mm-hmm. uh, I can't speak on that because I haven't looked into that but it definitely seems like it's certainly a metaphor for um, gay people in the closet yeah right? exactly it's it, it totally I can totally see how people would see that and I I agree with them I can totally see those themes too um, and it it. That having those themes in mind, it hurts even more. This scene was very painful for me, watching Luca uh, point at Alberto when he changes and say, it's a sea monster. Yeah, my that boy. That hurt. And then I was ashamed of him in that Julia moment. When Julia immediately calls him out on it, I'm like, dude, dude, what did you think? What yeah. did you think? You made the wrong call there. Um, And so that, that's, that hurts a lot too because Luca is so scared. He is so scared what people will think about him that he betrays his own kind. Um, to try and still fit in, and and it hurts, but it also is understandable for a child like that who's been told that people hate sea monsters. He is a sea monster, but he loves people, and he's come to love the world above the surface too. Like exactly, he spent his whole life underwater and feels like there's really not a lot for him there, mm-hmm. and so he's grown really attached to this to this uh, seaside village and to, uh, to the people there and to the friends that he's made. So yeah, it's definitely a situation that when Luke is put in it, like I, I understood, I was like, yeah. damn wrong call, but, but like you're I a kid. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it also, um, just drives that point at the end of the movie home where, uh, the mom and dad are like, are talking to the grandmother or whatever and being like, will people even accept him for who he is. And the, I think the grandmother says something along the lines of like, some of them will, others won't, but they'll see him for who he truly is. And that's all that matters. Yeah. Or something like that. And mm-hmm. that is so true. Um, and it's amazing to watch like at the end credits when we see those little glimpses into what the future looks like for each character and um, how uh, Luca is enjoying school and learning new things and showing people that he is indeed a sea monster and they seem pretty cool with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I really like how they drive that point at the end home where it's like, yes, it's going to take some time for people to accept this. And that's very true in the in the real world. Um, yes, some people are still stupid and, and won't bigoted and won't bigoted move on. and just won't move on and won't accept other people. But it's it's not about them. It's about everyone seeing this person for who they truly are. Yeah, and them being able, feeling comfortable uh, to be in their own scales. But um, had to make that joke. Had just bu- out of it. Had to bust out the pun. Had to do it. Um, Silencio, Bruno. Silencio, Bruno. He was telling me to not make that pun. I did it anyways. Um, so, yeah, I, I I really like how that point is kind of driven home at the end. I, especially with that ending scene where he, uh, Luca's hanging out of the train and rain comes down. He just slowly turns into the sea monster and it's just like the sun's on. And he's fine with it. He's fine with it. It's beautiful. I love it. Have you ever seen the movie by uh, Luca Guadamino called Call Me By Your Name? No. So this movie has a lot in common with that movie. I mean, Call Me By Your Name is a, a love story mm-hmm. uh, between Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer's character. My boy, Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, and Army Hammer, the the certified cannibal. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless, this movie actually has a lot in common. I, I don't know if the name of our character being Luca is a reference to that, but down to like the two uh, guys experiencing an Italian summer together. Mm-hmm. There's like There's a lot of things in common with that movie. 
even down to I don't spoilers for Call Me by Your Name, but in a in a different sense, like this movie ends in a very similar way with like the two going separate ways, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was kind. I just kind of picked up on the parallels that a couple times, and I was like, damn, Pixar really watched Call Me by Your Name, and they're like, can we I can do that? Can I take your homework and just change a couple words? <laughs> yeah, we can do that. Yeah, I um, thought it was interesting and worth bringing up though. Yeah, no, I I uh, I haven't watched the movie. I still got to watch the movie, but it's great. Yeah. Um, I will also say one thing I do want to mention. I've been hearing a lot of people feeling upset about how Alberto gets treated at the end of the movie. I think a lot of people don't understand where, uh, like why his story arc is good and how where he ends is good. And uh, by the end of the movie, when uh, Luke is going off to school with Julia because he wants to learn more about the world, Alberto's staying home and he sold the Vespa so that Luca could go on this trip. Um, and Luca feels bad, like he wants Alberto to come with him, but Alberto's content with being here. And the reason is, is because he has been living on that island for so long by himself. And Luca has allowed him to live in a town where people accept him for who he is, and he has a family. And he stays with Julia's dad, and he keeps fishing, and um, he makes friends, and lives his life. And it's just so beautiful. And so, yes, Alberto doesn't get to go see the world like he wants to, but he gets a new world to experience for a while that doesn't mean him being on his own. And he I, isn't alone anymore. I'm sure that Luca and Alberto at some point will will experience other things. Like I, I exactly. don't think Alberto will spend the rest of his life in this town, you know? Honestly, hit me with a sequel of Luca and Alberto and Julia traveling the world together. I lo- would love it. I would love it. Yeah. Hit me with that sequel, please. They ride around on a Vespa. Do it. So are people mainly just upset in regards to, like, the whole movie kind of sets up them doing this adventure together and they, they don't? Well, it just – I think I've just been hearing people feel like um, Alberto's getting essentially the shit end of the stick. Because, mm-hmm. like, oh, Luca gets to go do his dreams and learn about new things and uh, experience school with Julia just like he wants to. And Alberto's just like, I'll stay here. Well, the movie is called Luca, dork. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, know your place, side character. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I could, I could see that that criticism. That being said, I do agree with you. I think, yeah, I think he's he's not miserable. He's he's no. very happy with the life that he has found. Exactly, and so he's he's content with waiting for when Luca's done school because he the life he has right now is good. He likes it, and mm-hmm. all he wanted was people and family and friends and that's what he has um i can't fully remember but what happened with his dad did he did his, he die or did he just not come back his dad just left okay left him there right. abandoned him sad gave him a treehouse. <laughs> nothing else not even like a half destroyed tower yeah <laughs> um so i i think alberto does get a beautiful ending and i love the fact that um he decides to stay with julia's dad because Ah, I'd be so sad if Julia's dad was all by himself. Dude, this this man is just still cooking his pesto. He's still cooking his, uh, his I linguine. would please invite me over to dinner, sir. I'd love <laughs> to come over for dinner. Uh, but yeah, I to kind of cap it off, um, I really enjoy this movie. Like we said at the beginning, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and it doesn't feel the need to try and give you some deep inner message. It just gives you this beautiful story of two boys who change the entire views of this town and are accepted for who they are. And it's amazing. Uh, the soundtrack... Oh, I did want to mention, um, 
I think the soundtrack is amazing because it's a lot of old Italian songs. Um, and I was watching a TikTok of this guy who was talking about how he watched it with his grandmother, and his grandmother was singing the songs because they're songs from her childhood. That's nice. So I think that's really that's cool. Um, my dad, I told that to my dad today, and the editor that he is, he was literally like, you know why they use those old songs? Because of royalty-free, they didn't have to pay for them. And I was like, <laughs> come on, dad, I was trying to have a cute moment here. Like, this was wholesome, and now now you're now you're making me realize It's now about corporate chilling and taking songs, and it's just like, oh, the old ones are free, so. Yeah. But no, it, it, it does really make the atmosphere, the music in this movie, and... I really love it. I love the fact that it's so meaningful to some people because, um, like, it's music from their childhood. So mm-hmm. it's so cool. Disney, the the reason that they used a bunch of free music in Luca is because they blew all their budget for soundtracks on Cruella, giving it 39 mu- songs from the 70s. Mad. Earlier. Yeah. Mad. Uh, before we wrap up and we rate the movie, I do just want to say this movie was made during COVID. Oh, yeah. Remotely from the animators homes mm-hmm. and like Pixar has never made a movie like that before. Um, so that's just, I just wanted to acknowledge that. Cause I think that's really impressive. And this movie is like stunning and having to do this over make, having to animate a movie with a bunch of different people over zoom sounds hellish. Well, they don't even have to do it over zoom. That's the amazing thing about animation and editing and things like that. You can pay somebody halfway across the world to animate a little scene for you, and they can do it and send it to you, and it's done. That's true, yeah. So literally, animating from home is probably not very different from animating a person other than the fact that you don't have meetings and you don't uh, interact with people as much. But you can totally do this all from home. It, it brings up a uh, very interesting point that animation, as complex and complicated as it is, a lot of it's just on the computers um and you're able to just send back and forth clips and videos and the final project is on some big flash drive or whatever Mm -hmm. uh ready to upload to the world so it is amazing that they did do this over the pandemic and i think it's I, i wonder what it would be like to be an animator on this and you don't go to a premiere you don't get to go to a premiere you make a movie with a bunch of other people barely ever see their faces um and then this finished product of oh i added the foley work to that and didn't see any of this and now i'm just watching it for the first time so that'd be probably pretty interesting to experience but very impressive that they did it all from home Mm -hmm. respect to pixar for Mm -hmm. making it work during a a weird year exactly um so if you had to rate luca out of five brunos brunos yeah five brunos (laughs) If I had to rate Luca at a five Brunos, I'd probably honestly give Luca a solid four Brunos. I was going to give it four Brunos as well. Or four Vespas. That's four a Vespas. One. That's a better That's one. A better four one. Vespas. I give it four Vespas because this movie gave me everything I wanted to. Um, I wanted to see these beautiful visuals. I wanted to have this beautiful story. And it didn't give me anything too deep. And that's okay. Um, but I think the reason why it does stay at a four and doesn't go up any higher than that is because it's not the deep soul-searching Pixar that I am used to. Um, Pixar really knocks it out of the park with some of their amazing movies and makes me question my life as an adult. Yeah. Um, So this movie, yes, it is fun, and yes, it is amazing, but it doesn't do that. That's not a bad thing, though. Yeah, exactly. I don't think, like, I fault the movie at all for being less deep and intricate than other Pixar movies because honestly it was kind of nice to have a Pixar movie where it was just like hang out with a couple kids and they're swimming around and they're having fun like I really liked that 
That being said, Pixar has set the bar so high, like just so high with their other movies that yeah. I just I can't go above four for this one. Mm-hmm. But it's just a, like definitely check this movie out. It's, yeah, no, it's fantastic. It's free on Disney. Well, free with your subscription on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it is four Vespas out of five for me. It is just four it is a Vespas. blast. Such four a fun Mr. time. Or Mr. Vespas at five. Yeah. So on that note, let's get into a little more broad Pixar. Let's mm-hmm. talk top five Pixar movies. Top five Pixar. Hayden, why don't you start us off? What's number five for you? This was hard. Going I'm... from five to number one. Because I know we have the same number one, so we'll just tackle number one at the end together. Yeah, I think we have some similarities here. Like some might line up. But for mm-hmm. me, it took a while to try and narrow it down to what I would rank five. And even now, I still don't feel fully comfortable with my number five. Mm-hmm. But my number five Pixar movie is going to have to go to Coco. Mm. A beautiful movie about uh, your family and your your roots and your history. And it's it's just the, the music in this one, man. Mm-hmm. When I hear Poco Loco, what color is the sky? I'm your mor, I'm your mor. <laughs> you tell me that it's red. Okay, I'm done. I was like, uh, 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 oh, I'll just wait. <laughs> no, but I, I, I think this movie, it kind of goes without saying that this is one of Pixar's, and even if it doesn't fall into your top five ranking, it is one of their most impressive movies in regards yeah, to it is really good. the animation of the um, Dias de Mirdos. That's how you say it, right? Uh, you mean the Day of the Dead? Yeah. Deas de los Muertos, I think is how you say it. There it is. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I, I think the way that it all comes together and just the characters are all really likable. Mm-hmm. Aside from, what's his name? The big old, uh, the big villain. I don't want to oh, spoil it for people. I remember his name, but yeah. But I mean, yeah, this for me, I only actually watched Coco relatively recently. Uh, mm-hmm. This one wasn't some movie that I grew up with because it is newer, but I, I still only got around to it this year. But I had to throw it on the list because it is technically one of Pixar's greatest achievements. Mm-hmm. And so I had to put it on my list, even though I don't have that nostalgia for it. It's just an, an incredible movie. Yeah. And it has to be my number five. Agreed. It is a really good movie. Um, my number five is Monsters, Inc. This is going back a little further. I'm so sad. This is not my catalog. list. Um, Monsters, Inc. is just so iconic to me. I remember watching it as a kid so many times. Um, the, a, the voice acting in that movie, ugh, supreme. Um, and B, the movie just in general is amazing. Um, watching this relationship between this little four-year-old who has no idea what's going on and a giant blue furry monster uh, and... Mike Wazowski, an icon of our of our lives. This man turned Monsters Inc. around, and instead of scaring people, they make people laugh now. Speaking of Monsters Inc., new Monsters Inc. show is coming out. Looks kind of interesting. I know. I'm hesitant after um, Monsters University, which wasn't awful by any means, but mm-hmm. certainly doesn't live up to how great Monsters Inc. is. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I just love this movie, and as a child, I love how they even scared me as a kid. I, it was on TV. It was on a TV screen or a movie screen or whatever, and I was getting scared like the kids were who were in their beds. Like, this is a genuine fear for children, and the fact that Pixar decides to tackle it by giving you this beautiful movie where these two monsters are trying to save this kid, like, ah, so cool. So mm-hmm. I just love this movie, and it has so much heart and character, and fuck Randall. Yeah, oh man, Steve Steve Buscemi is out here. Yeah, Steve Uh, Buscemi really was out here as the biggest villain of my childhood. I am sad that I didn't put this on my list, and I think I'll say that about a bunch of other ones when we get into honorable mentions, which I have a couple I want to mention. 
But like, I do vividly remember watching this as a kid, a kid who was very scared about the idea of monsters under my bed or monsters in my closet. And this movie kind of just putting me at ease. Yeah. And if a animated studio is able to help an entire generation of kids not be scared of monsters under their closet or under their bed, this movie just deserves to be one of the greatest movies of all time. Also, the absolute dedication to animating Sully's fur. Yeah. I'm just going to say that. John Goodman and, and Billy Crystal, um, just two incredible. Legends. Yeah, incredible performances. Legends. Yeah, I feel terrible that this isn't in my, my top five. Mm-hmm. Definitely an honorable mention. That being said, my number four is The Incredibles. Mm. Uh, what else can I say aside from the fact that like I owe my obsession with the MCU now and my obsession with just superhero entertainment in general, I owe it all to The Incredibles. Mm-hmm. I think... You know, as much as I loved Spider-Man and Batman when I was really young, this was the one where, like, I was just like, holy shit, imagine if my family was superheroes. This is the one that started the conversation of, like, what would, what superpower would you have? Yo, you know I gotta be Dash Dash. Right? Or Dash Dash? <laughs> what? It's, what? it's, no, just it's Jack that. Jack. Jack Jack and Dash. And Dash, yeah. You know I gotta be Dash, come on. Yeah, but I, I, I think speed. this is just a, a really fun movie. It's quippy, yes. it's, it's self-aware of like what superheroes were at the time it came out because mm-hmm. really when superheroes came out they were not the big corporate money-making franchises that they were now it was more of like a a niche something that people poked fun at mm-hmm. and i i think that my whole family loved this one like and i think that applies for most pixar movies but mm-hmm. the incredibles was the one that i just have the most vivid memories of like when i would go in a car with my parents, we had one of those little TVs that you mounted on the back of. Oh, the, you just unlocked the childhood memory for me, right? Oh. I would play this movie like relentlessly. Yes, I'm really proud that this was one of the movies I played relentlessly. The other one was Alvin and the Chipmunks. Not so proud of that one. Oh God, was <laughs> it? Uh, was it the first or was it the Squeakwall? <laughs> it was. I gotta know. It was the first one. Okay, I'll, I'll, I at least have the class of having the first one on there. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, The Incredibles is, it is my number four top five Pixar. I also just want to say that this is like an incredible villain. Yeah. What's his name? Syndrome? Syndrome. Syndrome. I I really love the whole, you know, this is pretty much Batman and Robin. If Batman didn't want Robin and Robin got volatile and tried to ruin his entire life. Literally, what is his name? Red Hood? Oh yeah, yeah. The Red Hood version of Batman. Oh, what's the what's his name? It's not Tim Drake. Uh, is it? I can't remember. Anywho, yeah, one of the versions of Batman's sidekicks where he finds this kid, um, essentially taking the tire off of the Batmobile, um, and takes him in, and then eventually later on, uh, he goes away from Batman's ways and dons a red mask and has two guns. Batman. Yeah, and that's pretty much syndrome. syndrome yeah. But I think, moving on, I do want to move on from this one, but I think the family drama is one of the reasons that this isn't just a great kids movie and isn't just a great superhero movie, but just all around, like, a great family movie. Yeah. It handles everything it's trying to do and is equally enjoyable for the whole family. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my number four. What is what it take me into your number four? My number four is Up. Up takes my number four spot. I love this movie. This movie makes me cry. Like... No joke, this is the saddest Pixar movie I will ever watch in my entire life. I don't think they can top it. Um, the first 10 minutes of this movie are just immediate depression, like immediately. And it's so good. It's amazing. Um, I think it's, I guess Pixar just knew 
I think they must have just known in the back of their heads. They're like, we're just going to make it so sad in the beginning that everything else that happens afterwards, ha- you have to feel good about it. Um, so this movie is just so beautiful to watch this old man go on an adventure uh, with some uh, uh, boy. Uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Boy Scout? Yeah, his name is it's my boy, Russell. Russell. Um, as they travel through this exotic, beautiful world. Um and it's just, it's so amazing. Like, the colors in this movie, the balloons, the wonder of what if a house could actually be carried by balloons, you know? Mm-hmm. So th- this movie is just beautiful. And whenever I hear that piano soundtrack of tears just start forming. You're instantly in a house and it's it's flying away. Exactly. So, you like, it's just so good. And it's it makes me feel so many things that... I give it my number four spot. That is actually my number three. So I will continue to riff mm-hmm. off of the conversation you've had. Uh, those first ten minutes are like one of the greatest love stories in film. And I'm like, yeah. I'm not even gonna lie. Like, it gets me very emotional. Like, if I, I struggle to rewatch up because like I have to make it through those first ten minutes before I get all that joy. But I think one of the biggest themes about Up and the reason that it's it's such a great movie is because it's it's the themes of like happiness after despair, right? It's yeah. like conquering the like the worst pain that life can give you and seeing like the the balloons and the, the smiles on the other side mm-hmm. and i think it's just it's a great adventure movie but it is like a even though it's only in those first 10 minutes like it's the most like everlasting love story in my memory like ever it's all about moving on yeah like that's the whole thing about it like even when uh he gets the end of his journey and the house is exactly where uh him and ellie wanted it to be uh it, it it doesn't fill him. It's not what he thought he wanted. And he realizes that after that, he can move on past that. Um, and it's so sad to, for him to realize that now in his life because he's so old. But mm-hmm. um, it's still very beautiful. Yeah. And, like, I, I got the experience of I, – I just vividly remember being in a theater. We booked I, – I thought it was the entire theater, but actually I'm looking back on it now. We booked an entire row because mm-hmm. pre-COVID you were only allowed to book – uh, entire rows now you can book a whole theater for yourself but um i just remember really excited i had i was buzzing off of the pizza that i had ate and all the birthday presents that i had opened because we had the little back when you could do uh birthday parties at birth- theaters yeah exactly just the best man mm-hmm. all your friends just gathering around a little private room uh, nevertheless i just vividly remember everyone crying and i was <laughs> like this is not what i expected for my birthday happy yeah happy birthday <laughs> so like yeah there's just just a beautiful movie um my number three is is up um my number three is toy story um this movie is iconic i mean toy story one toy story two not as much toy story three mm, um toy story four wow amazing Uh, actually i haven't seen it toy story four is i don't know i don't know about that one wait why uh, yeah i haven't actually seen it yet uh i've heard good things but i haven't seen it um Anywho, Toy Story 1, iconic. It's just such a nostalgic movie from my childhood. Um, This movie really just made me imagine that my toys are just hanging out when I'm not there. Uh, And I love that. Uh, I love the wonder it brings to kids where it's like, are my toys actually alive? Are they? Um, And I also love the nightmares it brings to kids when they watch um, Sid (laughs) Sid get attacked by that fucking baby doll head on spider legs like... Oh, it's terrifying. That was the scariest one. The baby doll head, ter- most terrifying abomination that Sid made. 
I will say, don't mutilate your toys. Don't and, do that. And they won't treat you the way they treat Sid. Exactly. Um, but no, that movie is just so good. And oh, like Woody, Woody is such a great character. Like you can't not love Woody. Um, and same with same with Buzz too. I mean, Buzz is so fun. That that scene where they first meet and Woody's like. Oh, you thought you were the real Buzz Lightyear? Yeah. You really thought you were the real Buzz Lightyear? Shoot me with your laser. Do it. Do it. And it's just the light. Mm-hmm. So funny. Um, so there, there is just so much good humor and comedy in that movie. And there's so much, like, I have so much love for that movie, too, for the for the want of, like, Woody wanting to get back to Andy. Because, like, that, Andy is his kid. Andy plays them. They have fun. Um but I will say animation is a little outdated these days, but it's it makes those scenes with those creepy dolls and action figures even more terrifying. So You also have to appreciate it as, like, the roots for Pixar, right? Like, I don't know mm-hmm. if this was their first movie. Um, I think it was definitely very early on. Yeah. And, and so, like, this kind of planted the seeds of, like, everything Pixar would become of, like, those kind of deeper themes of just, like, these kids' toys. They got feelings, too. Exactly. They got lives, too. Uh. I do have a Toy Story movie on my list. I'll, I'll get around to it, but I, I it's not Toy Story 1. And I, I want to clear up now that it should be. Like, I, Toy Story 1 is the OG. It is, like, the number one movie or one of my number one movies from my childhood. Uh, I just have one of them in this franchise I'm a little more connected to. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Toy Story 1, man. I mean, all that stuff with... Um, it's so good. You are a toy. It's just... You are a toy. Tom and Hanks it- is... is the goat in the classic you got a friend in me yeah you got it's so good it's so classic randy newman ah, amazing just one of the most iconic uh music like soundtracks in in a movie yeah and i love the whole dynamic between woody and buzz in that first movie because it shifts as the franchise goes on and they become more mm-hmm. straight up friends but this kind of reluctant bond that they form where they it's like Feels like a buddy cop movie with two toys. It's 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 great. Toy Story One is one of the greatest animated movies ever made. Um, I do also want to mention beautiful scene of animation is in Toy Story Two when Woody gets fixed up by that old guy. That is such an amazing animation sequence where he paints over the bottom of the boot where it's oh, Andy yeah. and he stitches up his arm and all this stuff. Very amazing, especially for the time that it was made. It just ah. So so beautiful, such a beautiful scene. Play creepy music over that scene it becomes a very different. Oh scene. yeah, it becomes oh, yeah. a very different scene. Um, before we get into my number two, I actually want to acknowledge something about Toy Story. Did you know Toy Story two got like deleted? So like yes, whole, oh yes, no, yeah, I do remember this. I won't linger on it, but I think it's just a really interesting anecdote where like they halfway or I think they were like close to the end of production, and they accidentally deleted the entire Toy Story two file. Luckily. After like a day or two of searching or something like that, they had it backed up and they didn't know. Good, because but, if Pixar doesn't back up their movies, I feel bad for them. Right. It's but it was stupid. an earlier save, so they still lost a bunch yeah. of work. Mm-hmm. But I just think it's crazy that like one of the biggest animated animated studios just almost completely lost their movie. Literally just like, somebody whoops. leaned over on a desk and hit delete and then just... Buy Toy Story 2. Buy Toy Story 2. Um, so for my number two... We're going to linger on Toy Story a bit longer, mm-hmm. but it is Toy Story 3. Okay? So for me, this movie represents kind of the most emotional moment in Toy Story where it's kind of like oh. Andy is 
going to college. He's grown up. He doesn't play with his toys anymore. And it's kind of Woody and the rest of the toys struggle to to move on, mm-hmm. right? Like to understand that it's not Andy's fault that he grew up and that like he he doesn't play with these toys anymore. And and I think it's it's just a very kind of sad movie. Oh my! Yes, it is. Of course, they literally hold hands and are about to fall into a pit of fire. They almost die. They're ready to it's die. Crazy. Luckily, the claw slides in and saves them. The claw. I just remember being a kid and having so many emotions towards Toy Story 3 in particular. Mm-hmm. I was uh, 9 or 10 years old, and a lot of the themes that are on display here just become far more prevalent as you grow up, right? And I think that scene where, where Andy hands off his toys to Bonnie. Ah, oh, so emotional. And he, he she goes to grab Woody. And he hesitates, and then he he lets it go. It's letting go of your childhood and of your past, and, and moving forward for the future. And that same sort of thing applies to the toys, where they're, they're letting go of Andy. It's it's mm-hmm. fucking heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. I, I get tears. I've rewatched. I rewatched Toy Story three earlier this year. I cried again. Mm-hmm. It's just. It is one of the most impactful uh, Pixar movies for me, and it is my favorite Toy Story movie by far. Yeah, it is really good. In regards to me dissing on Toy Story 4, I don't think it's a bad movie. I just think Toy Story 3 is maybe one of the best endings to a trilogy yeah, ever. End it there. It's such a perfect ending with Woody and Buzz sitting there on the st- on the porch watching Andy drive away and then they, they embrace each other. Oh my god, man, I'm getting emotional talking about it. Why'd they make a fourth one? Especially because it does not scratch the itch at all of that that finality that closure yeah you introduce jordan peele and it's kind of why i don't want to watch it keegan michael key and like yeah there it toy story 3 is such a beautiful ending the toy story the reason why i haven't watched toy story 4 is because it's unnecessary it is it i is. just got an ending right there yeah man you get you get forky but i i mean maybe just for duke kaboom maybe just for duke kaboom it's worth watching but like i i still view toy story 3 as like my toy story ending that's mm. like my definitive one and i don't hate toy story 4 i just I don't think it needed to exist. Yeah. Moving on. Um, my number two, to take it back a little bit, is actually The Incredibles. Um, you put Incredibles at number four. Incredibles is my number two. Um, this movie, for me as a child, we already, you've already kind of touched on everything, but I just want to mention uh, my personal connection to this movie. Um, I watched this so many times as a kid with my sisters, like an unbelievable amount of times, and... I had the Incredibles video game on Xbox. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, the original Xbox. Did I get past level two? No. Did I play it as a child? Yes. Um, And I have such fond memories of that game. uh, And you having to go uh, fight Mole Man or whatever it is, his name, the Molinator. The Molinator. Yes, Um, that's the absolute... Biggest cliffhanger in, in cinematic history. Icon. Um, the greatest line of Pixar history, in my opinion. Where is my super suit? So good. Samuel Jackson kills that role. Um, this movie just, oh, it brings such fond memories. And um, other than the, the number one spot that I have, I could watch this movie this is one of the few movies of Pixar I could watch on repeat for the rest of my life. Yeah, never-ending like, entertainment value. I loved, as a child, the almost gritty noir detective feeling it had to it with the super spy music of... Like, that soundtrack is so good, where it's like... 
It's so good. The frequency you just hit in my ear. Was <laughs> amazing. So this movie, I just love it so much. And like you said, uh, it's probably what made me love Marvel movies now. Yeah. Uh, and come on. Who wouldn't want a super suit made by Edna Mode? Fuck them capes. I know. No capes. I, I would love a super suit made by Edna Mode. I, um, for anybody who graduated with me, I encourage you to go into your uh, yearbook <laughs> and look at my quote uh, under favorite favorite quotes or something. It yeah. was, honey, where's my super suit? Yeah. So, you know, sticks with me. I am the greatest good you are ever going to get. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oh, also, you saying that you played the Incredibles video game just really reminded me on the topic of, well, shooting back to Toy Story 3. Mm-hmm. I sank an entire summer in Toy played, Story 3 video I game. played that game, too. Amazing. I played the game, too. I played it all the way through, and when my younger cousins used to come over to my house, um, we would play that game religiously. Like, that was the only game they wanted to play, because they had this toy box mode. Where yeah, that was my favorite. It was just like free roam. They had a bunch of like fun things to do and stuff like that. You could be Zerg and shoot uh, shoot his little gun, or yeah. you could drive around in cars. Like me and my brothers so loved good. that. The cars in particular, we would do the races consistently. Yeah, no, it was so fun. A blast. Uh, and now that leads us into our number one Pixar movie, which we, we share. We have the same one, so we're just gonna say it at the same time. Ready? Three, two. One cars. Ratatouille. <laughs> ratatouille. It's I was ratatouille. really tempted to say something else too, but nothing popped in my head. Ah, should I say Cars Three? <laughs> Shoot, because that would be funny. We both say Cars, but no, it's a Ratatouille. A ratatouille. Ugh, such a good movie. I just want to start off by saying that we have a Ratatouille oil painting in our kitchen. Like this movie in my. Speaking of video games, I played the Ratatouille video game too. I played that all the way through. So that was literally my favorite video game as a child. And if there was any video game I wish I could play again, it was that one. Mm-hmm. I remember cooking as Linguini, running around on the floor. Uh, you know how you know how when you would run, it would do the little like thing as you ran, as you sped up. Oh, it's so good. So Ratatouille just holds this special place in my heart because I don't think there is any Pixar movie that could make me love food cooked by a rat that much. I know. <laughs> I don't think there is any way any movie could do that. Um, just, uh, Remy has so much heart to him. All he wants is to cook. Uh, he is he is just a misunderstood rat. And no one understands his struggle of wanting to eat this good food. His family doesn't because they're rats. They just eat the trash. They don't care. But Remy does. And as Remy just fights for what he wants in life as remy describes food in a way that i have never experienced before in my life when i close my eyes and bite into a delicious strawberry i just see those spirals fly across the sky ah it is so good how could you not love this movie it is one of the most like visually appealing Mm -hmm. movies i've ever seen with like each each dish that's presented to me in that movie and like the like you said, the swirls, the animation style for the swirls, it's just it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. But on top of that, I think this movie really strikes a chord for me because it's about passion, right? Mm. It's about following your dreams. And I know that's crazy in a movie about a rat. Hey, he did. But Remy, he's he's Remy a rat. He wants it. to follow his dreams. And really, like when I've told people Ratatouille is my favorite picture movie, I typically get the response of like, really? It's like a great one, but it's not the best one. And and I can understand that point. But for me, I really do think, like, 
that it, it is my favorite Pixar movie. And growing up, either, this was not my favorite Pixar movie. This this became my favorite Pixar movie when I was, like, 17. And I started, like, watching this movie, like, to fall asleep. And I was like, mm-hmm. this is the ultimate comfort movie. Yeah, like, it's so good. And on top of that, as a, a movie critic, it is important that I remind myself to never end up like Anton Ego. No. I, I don't want to be someone who started off in a, in a place of passion about something and came to hate the thing that I love. I cannot. You know what's going to happen to you? What? You are going to turn into Anthony Ego, and you're going to be saying that movies just aren't what they used to be. They're, they, they, don't, they lack the passion. And then someone's going to be like, why don't you redo your review for Ratatouille? And your life is going to change. Just like Ego. You'll, take, you'll have a moment as you're watching Ratatouille, and you'll just zoom back to your childhood watching Ratatouille uh, and falling asleep and being like, wow, what a beautiful movie. Yeah. The same thing's going to happen to you. I think this is just one of Pixar's most wholesome tales. Like, and I... I Tale. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really... Oh, my God. I just glitched there when I said that. <laughs> All right. Hold on. I got to get my focus back. Uh, I, I think there's just... I don't know, man. I don't know when this became my favorite Pixar movie, and I really can't pinpoint why. But mm-hmm. all I know is that when I'm thinking of Pixar and I'm I'm feeling that magic, I just think of Ratatouille. And I think of my boy Remy... And Linguini. Remy, Linguini, Emil. It's, it's, yeah, it's just, uh, it's one of the ultimate tales of, of following your dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, ever made on cinema. It's, it's fucking incredible, man. There are days where I feel like Linguini, and there are days I feel like Remy. And, <laughs> and then there's days where you feel like Anton Ego. Yeah, exactly. So, this movie, uh, honestly, I just love it so much. And Linguini is such a lovable character, too. He's just this big goof um, who wants to. He doesn't. He doesn't want this place. He doesn't want to be this amazing chef. He doesn't want to be like Remy and cooking these amazing dishes. He just wants to be treated seriously. Like, yes, um, when he first comes in, he's just like, I, I need a job, um, and he he just feels upset about being thrown as a janitor. And then when he starts to mess things up and is thrown into the deep end of it all, he just doesn't know what to do. And then there's my boy Remy looking out for him. Also, if I catch a rat in a jar, will it talk to me? Can I find my own Remy? <laughs> I'm going to keep it real. My my love for this movie has been slightly affected by the fact that I, I now have experience with rats mm-hmm. living outside of our apartment. They are not as sweet as Remy. I can't, I can't go get these rats to cook for me. No, no, those are not the rats. Rats are cute, though. You can have rats as pets. Uh, those rats are cute. Yeah. Sewer rats. I don't no. know. Remy he, was a sewer rat, too. He was, but he cleaned himself up. He washed his hands every time before he cooked. That's true. He's a gentleman. He is a gentleman. Um, And one other thing I want to mention um, is I that, that I love about this movie is I love the Paris Paris landscape. Come on, who doesn't love that Paris landscape? Oh yeah, the aesthetic of this movie is just is this, unparalleled. So we got more Vespas in this movie too. Um, but like the fact that Remy is this little rat who just wants to follow his passions and his dreams, and he literally makes an army of rats cook for him in that kitchen, and it works well, and people get served. Yes, 100%. Health code violations, billions of them are broken. Oh, yeah. This um, is very illegal. Especially with the second restaurant they open at the end of the movie where Remy is still cooking. Also breaking a lot of health violations, but the man washes his hands. Yeah, so, so. it's fine. Yeah, honestly, I would take a meal cooked by a rat. I, he washed his hands? Yes. 
I cannot ever since we we watched this was the first movie we watched on our TV actually when we moved into this apartment. Oh yeah, and that was a a very great night because all we had set up literally all was we a had, couch and a TV, a couch, a TV, and there was beers in the fridge, and it was just the ultimate vibe. I'm so glad that was the first movie we picked. But ever since then, back in September, I just can't stop listening to the La, La Festine. You know what? We should just make this a musical podcast. Oh, so good. And you know what? Just really quickly while we're talking about the music of Ratatouille, kudos to the people who made the Ratatouille musical. Like, shout out oh, to the TikTok. TikTok uh, the, uh, what is it called? The Ratatouille? Oh, man. Is, is That's that good. what it's called? I don't know. I don't think but, so. <laughs> the Ratatouille? Randy the Ratatouille, the rat of all my dreams. I remember uh, it was like, I got a notification from TikTok. It was like, the Ratatouille musical is live, and I joined it. And there was just this this guy, and he just had rat makeup on. And I was like, oh, I respect these people so much, but I can't watch this. You know who else was in that uh, Ratatouille musical? Who? Bertram from Hey Jesse. From Je- you remember the show Jesse? Oh, yeah, yeah. Bertram, the butler, was in that TikTok musical. Because that man Full is circle an icon. childhood. That man is an icon. He loves Broadway. And so when it was like, yo, get me in the Ratatouille, checked him in. If they do ever bring Ratatouille to Broadway, catch your boy there. Yeah. I, I could have gone to Hamilton. I could have gone to In the Heights. Instead, Fuck it. Ratatouille. I'm going to Ratatouille. Um, yeah, that's that's my number one. That's your number one. Also, wait, really quickly, I do want to. I thought of the hypothetical earlier, and I think this is really funny to mention. Remy was probably wasn't the only rat who had dreams and passions like that. What if there were other rats who wanted to do other things in the world? Burlesque rats? Is that so, what you're talking about? No. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, like, imagine this is like. WWE. Let's go WWE real quick. This new guy enters the ring and he's he always wears this his his thing about him is he always wears this weird fez. Where are we? What is happening? <laughs> Just wait. Continue. Let me explain. He always wears this weird fez, but he wins every single match. And if one day somebody knocks the fez off him as he's fighting and out pops a rat. That's right. The rat was controlling him he was all the controlling time. Controlling the arms. WWE style. What if there were other rats? Ratatouille 2. Oh, come, <laughs> give me the sequel. The sequel Remy's, Ratatouille. Remy's son. He is. Remy becomes. Uh, <laughs> Remy starts diffusing bombs for the CIA. <laughs> These guys are like, I'm too scared. I can't do it. And Remy's like, I can. And the guy goes in blindfolded. He's like, I can't look at the bomb. I get too scared. But Remy <laughs> disarms it. <laughs> On that note, um, do we have any honorable mentions that we want to? Yes, wanna, I do. I do. Uh, I really, I really want to mention Onward. I really like Onward. That movie is just, uh, it's so good. It scratches this itch inside of me that loves this blend between mythicality and rock and roll. Um, and the story in it, like his father and everything that, oh, that's so good. I cried at that movie. Like, um, him realizing that his older brother was the father that he needed in his life. Yeah. So amazing. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just really love that movie. So that's an honorable mention for me. I want to honorable mention Wally, mm-hmm. which was almost number five. That's why yeah, when I was talking here. about Coco being number five, it hurt me to put it there. Uh, Wally is, you know, what else could I say about Wally that hasn't been said? It is a 
great love story between two robots and it is better than most of the love stories that Hollywood is capable of putting out. The amount of emotion they put through emotionless beings, wow. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And so Wally is just a, a pretty flawless film and I, I'm really sad that we weren't doing top six, but that's a weird number. So mm -hmm. Wally has to be an honorable mention. Um, another honorable mention I have is Finding Nemo. Um, yeah, me too. It's an iconic movie. It's a classic, a Pixar classic. It's not in my top five because... I don't know, it just doesn't carry that same weight as these other movies do, but, uh, I mean, it's amazing. Who doesn't love Do uh, Finding Nemo, you know? Yeah. I also never, I never really clicked with the Dory character the same way the entire world did. Yeah, neither did I. Finding She's Dory right. just didn't do it for me. No. I, I just, I was not really interested in a sequel based around a character that was, like, a, a good side character at yeah. best. Um, I, Monsters, Inc., I wanted to mention. Mm -hmm. You talked about it. I won't go any further. Um, I love that movie. And I also wanted to mention Soul. Um, yeah. which is a movie that struck a particular chord with me as somebody who has always felt this pressure to find a purpose and some, some deep reason for what I can do in my life and why I'm here. And soul was just kind of the movie I needed at the time I needed it. And it was just like, dude, chill. Like, yeah. Life is, life is good how it is. Not everything needs to be some deep existential quest for your purpose. Like it's okay that you're just here. And I, I think that movie really meant a lot to me. I know some people have issues with it. I really love soul. I love how Pixar literally went from, what's your purpose in life, to fun movie about sea monsters. I know. They really were just like, okay, that was just a little too far for us as well. Yeah. They're like, that was really deep. Let's that just was dial it back. A little too much. Full circle with Luca. There we go. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think that's everything for our Pixar episode. Uh, Pixar is amazing. I love all their movies. Like, fantastic. My, my all-time favorite animation studio. Studio yeah. Ghibli's great. But Pixar's my entire childhood, so it has to be them. Exactly. So kudos to Pixar for making these amazing movies. And Disney Plus, you're idiots. Um, Stop disrespecting Pixar. Exactly. Don't disrespect Pixar. Come on. I know that in your head you hear Bruno and you just got to say, Silencio, Bruno, and put uh, give give Pixar the recognition it deserves. Yeah, Disney Plus. What's wrong with you, stupido? Exactly. Um, but yeah, that's it for our episode on Luca and Pixar, our favorite Pixar movies. Um, if you want to check out our other episodes, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can also check us out on Instagram at the Dive In Movie Cast. You can see our individual Instagrams. I'm at Wesley Giffen. I am at Hayden Kutris, and it is the same on our letterbox. Thank you so much for listening to the Dive In Season 2 finale. Thank you yes. for sticking around for a very long season. I think we've been going since uh, Tenet. September 20th was our, our first episode. Wow. It has been a long season. And so to anyone who has been listening the whole way through, we love you. We appreciate you. Mm -hmm. We cannot wait to get back into this with season three in like two weeks. Yeah, we're going to take a little bit of a break um, as things kind of went down for Hayden's job. And I am currently really busy with my job. So just take a little break and then come back rejuvenated with some amazing movies, some crazy movies, uh, and little teaser for season three the insanity of fast nine um so be excited for that episode but yeah thank you guys so much for watching season two and we'll see you in season three yeah